Hear the word of God from the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of John. Jesus is speaking in Matthew 5, starting with verse 14. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And now to when Jesus was teaching his disciples before his crucifixion in John 13, starting with verse 31. When he was gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will, be glor- God will glorify the Son in himself, and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples, if you love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. I hope you had a wonderful weekend. I'm so glad to see all of you here this morning. It's so good to gather together with the body to worship our incredible God. So here's the deal. I had a joke that I was going to say at this point. And I laughed and I chuckled when I wrote, put it down on a piece of paper. But then I shared with it with my wife. She said no. <laughs> she said it was terrible. I didn't believe her. So I shared it with the, the transitions team this morning. They said no. <laughs> it was terrible. So I'm going to share it with you now. <laughs> I have to. I couldn't help myself. I laughed so hard when I put this down. So guys, I heard that today was going to be a really hot one out there. Also, the temperature will be high as well. No? Didn't get it? I messed up the joke. (laughs) It must be a hot one, hot one today, not out there. Hot one today. It must be a hot one today. Also, the temperature will be high. Nope. I'm about to say, it's going to be a hot one in here. Get it? No? Nobody? I chuckled so hard. (laughs) Get it? No? I laughed so hard when I wrote that down. (laughs) Okay, moving on. (laughs) I'm still laughing about it. (laughs) Guys, as a church, it's wonderful to be able to come together and I, honestly, even as I was about to come up here, I thought to myself, Lawrence, don't do that. But I had to do it because I love the fact that I just honestly feel like when we're sharing together, we get to share like family. Uh, it just it makes me so happy. I don't feel like I'm talking to a room full of faces, a bunch of strangers. I get to feel like I'm actually speaking to people that I know. And for those of you I don't know that well yet, I, I hope to know better. But for those of you who are here and I look at your faces, I... I'm so touched and my heart is warmed by the fact that we get to do this thing called life together. So I just love the fact that we get to be called a church family. As a church, we just finished our series in the book of Jeremiah. And now we're in a transitional series uh, until we start our new series in the book of 2 Corinthians, starting September 10th. 
So we just finished Jeremiah. We're going to start 2 Corinthians, September 10th. But for the next few weeks, we'll be taking a look at our kind of missions, our values, kind of who we are as a church. We do this about every year around this time of year. We take a quick little break from our usual practice of preaching through a whole book. Typically, we go like Old Testament to New Testament, Old Testament to New Testament, and we preach through a whole book. But we always take a break around this time of year. It's kind of a, a time for us to go through our identity, our purpose, our values, kind of who we are as a church, kind of a good reminder for those of us who've been here, for the kind of reminder of, yes, this is what we're about, and a good way to kind of re- you know, kind of bring that back up for us, but also a good way for people who haven't been here that long to, to get to know us a little better and kind of see what our values are. So this is what we, we're doing, this, this is what we do this, during this time of year every year, and it always is around this time. And I think it's vital to do this. I think it's important to continue to look and remind ourselves of why we do this. Why do we do this thing called church? Why are we here, why are we at this place? I don't know how many of you know this, but when I did youth ministry in my hometown of Panama City, I did, after I went finished University of Florida, I moved back to my hometown and I did youth ministry there. And while I was there, I became an assistant basketball coach. I was coaching a class 5A high school called Bay High School. And actually that team made to the final four that year of the state of Florida. Because, not because of me. <laughs> my main responsibility was I was to help with the ninth grade basketball team. It's the ninth grade squad. Every year before the basketball season begins, though, we had something called conditioning. Right? This is a time where before practices officially start, you get everybody together that wants to be on the basketball team and you run conditioning. And basically, it's, it's intentionally one of the hardest times ever. Uh, you just run, and then you run some more, and then you run some more. Basically, you'd run sprints, then you'd run bleachers, then you run long distance runs, then you just run in circles just because I told them to. No, I'm just kidding. But that's what it was. Conditioning was intentionally difficult, and it was hard, and it was, everybody hated it. They complained. They'd act hurt, try to put in, especially the ninth graders, they'd, they'd try to put in the bare minimum. They'd try to get out of running. They tried to, to not want to do it. They just hated doing it. But the juniors and the seniors were totally different. Oh, they hated it as well. I mean, nobody likes conditioning. But they endured it, and they put their all into it. You see, the biggest difference between the upperclassmen and the lowerclassmen was that the upperclassmen actually played the season. They saw the results of conditioning. They played in games where the other team was exhausted from our press late in the game. They knew that conditioning could be the difference between victory and a loss. So they approached conditioning time totally differently than the freshmen did. They approached it as something worthwhile, something to put their all into, something that says, this is hard, but it's worth doing well. While the freshmen, they didn't know they needed it. My people, I share this with you because the why we do things is so important to do. See, the upperclassmen knew the why. The freshmen didn't. But the why is so important, the why we do things. It changes our approach. It changes our perspective. So the question I want to ask this morning to all of you is, why do you go to church? Why do you do church? Why do you waypoint? Why do you ex what do we exist for? Are we a good way to spend a Sunday morning? Do we exist because we need friends who are similar to us? Are we a social club or a good meaning nonprofit? The why is so important. Why do we do this? Right? 
You guys ever ask that question? Do you say, because I do it every Sunday, or I'm supposed to? Maybe. I want you to ask that question. I want us as a church to ask that question. And it's not an easy one at times. Sometimes it's hard. But I want us to be real about it. Why do this? Why go to church? Why do this thing called church? This morning, I want us to see just a, a, a big part of the why. Most of you have heard me say this before, and I'll say that again over and over again. You'll hear me say that I see a twofold purpose of the local church. I believe the local church has a twofold purpose. And number one, it's we are to be the coming attraction, the preview of the kingdom. And number two, we are to be the means of kingdom advancement in the world. I'll say that again. We are to be the coming attraction, the preview of the kingdom. And we're to be the means of kingdom advancement in the world. That's the why of why we do church. Let me tell you, let me dive into what that means. The coming attraction, Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp, put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus is calling his followers to be a light that shines brightly, that people may see and be attracted to. A light that shines in dark places and brings forth illumination. A city set above that people can be guided by. A people, a local church <clears throat> is called to be a light. Something that shines in such a manner that people notice and give glory to God. I like to liken it to trailers. Right? I love trailers for movies. Does anybody else like trailers for movies, like the previews? You know, when you go to a movie theater, then there are like 20 minutes of trailers, and some people get really annoyed. The movie is supposed to start at 1.30, it doesn't start till 2 o'clock. I love it. I want more trailers. I'm a huge fan of trailers. I'm the guy that doesn't use the bathroom during the trailers. I'd rather start during the movie, because I love trailers. Trailers are great. It shows some of the most amazing scenes from a movie, and it gets you pumped up to go watch that movie. Like, I remember when I saw the trailer for the first time that the new Star Wars movie was coming out. The, the new, new Star Wars, like, not, no, wait, the not new Star Wars. Wait a minute, I mixed that up. I was in college for the first prequel, not the original three, but the other three, the ones that everybody hates. But <laughs> when I first saw that preview, though, I was so pumped to watch that movie. I started cheering. I was, I was screaming in the theater. Yes, I'm a hardcore nerd. But I was so pumped to watch that movie. Because the preview has all the good parts. It's funny. It's, it's, if it's a funny movie or it's action-packed, it's, it's making make you yearn to watch that. That's what the church is supposed to do. By the way, we love and worship God as we gather together. The way we love and lift each other up, we're supposed to get people pumped to say, wait a minute, that's what the kingdom of God looks like? I want to be a part of that. That's what the kingdom of God is like. Those who, that's what it's like to know God, to worship God, to love God. Is, that's what it's like. That's what it does. You, 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 you feel known and you live in such a manner. I need, a, I need a part of that. They should see us living in such a way that they can see, how can I get that? Like when you watch a good trailer, you can't say, I can't wait to watch that movie. They should look at the way we worship, the way we live, the way we love, the way we act, the way we move in response to who God is and say, how do I get that? How do I watch that? I want to see that movie. I want to be a part of that. I want that kingdom. We're supposed to be a trailer, the coming attraction. John 13, 34 through 35 says, a new commandment I give to you, 
that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We're called to love one another so people can know that Jesus is our God and our living hope. Do you see this? How people were to love one another, show grace to one another, spur one another on, so people will want to know Jesus as our source. Gosh, what would that be like if churches of our time, churches in our culture, churches around us would grab a hold of this message? If we truly see that to love one another is our mission and our purpose. When we do that, people want to be a part of it. And guys, can I, can I just tell you, I say love one another, and I feel like most of us are like, yay, love one another. But most of the time, that's just kind of like, for us, means like saying hello. But to actually love one another makes a huge difference. I've spoken with people who've lived in India and served the church there. They've shared that there is this major gospel move happening right now through small local churches throughout the country. And these churches may all look different, but one common thread they, they would share over and over again keeps on coming up. That these churches would focus on loving their members of all castes and caring so much for the needs of the community. That most of them would start programs for providing for the children and for the needy of the community. And there's some pictures uh, from one of the newsletters that we get from, from people serving in the country. And they would love in such a way that people were, were wondering, what, why would you do that? These casts don't benefit you. This doesn't help you. Why do you love people that don't help you out? Why do you serve? Why do you feed? Why do you give? Why do you go to these people or these children who doesn't end up benefiting your bottom line? They would care for each other so well that the community was intrigued by what was happening. And that's how churches, this, the most common thread that I would hear from why the churches are growing, why this gospel movement was happening, was because of the way they loved and took care of each other and the community. It would grow. It would spread. Waypoint Church, please hear this. We are to show grace, love, accountability, encouragement, patience, trust, hope to one another in such a manner that people see us and interact with us and want what we have. We're to resemble the kingdom, show it for what it really is supposed to look like, and then let people say, I want that. I want that. It doesn't mean, get this, it doesn't mean that we're perfect people. Actually, it means that we show grace and humility because of all people we know the most, the grace we need, and the price that was paid for it. We live as those who have been forgiven much, so we forgive much. Guys, what would it look like? Can I just say this? What does that look like if we, of people, we as a body of Christ, could forgive each other over and over again, love and serve each other in radical ways, regardless of social economic status, whether of racial and cultural differences, in diversity, we come together and say the most important unifying factor that binds us all together is the love of God. What would that look like in this world? Wouldn't that stand out? Wouldn't that be a coming attraction that you want to watch? Isn't that a kingdom that you want to see happen? 
Am I right? We're called to live in such a manner. That's the purpose of a local church. And can I just say this? It breaks my heart that way too often the local church does not show a good picture of the coming kingdom. Can I say that again? It breaks my heart that more often than not, there are people that I talk to all the time. I've talked to so many young people who says, I don't go to church because of what my church did to me. And it breaks my heart. Because the local church is supposed to show a picture of the kingdom. It's supposed to be the preview, the coming attraction. And guys, let me say the first, I'll be the first one to say here, Waypoint Church, we are not perfect. In case you were wondering, you're not perfect. I know. Some of you are less perfect. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But the big thing is, the beautiful thing is, you are forgiven. You've been shown so much grace that we, the way we show what the kingdom looks like is we show people who've been forgiven much, we forgive each other much. We're slow to anger. We're patient. We walk in the fruit of the Spirit. And it shows the kingdom of God. This is part of our calling as a local church. We worship with joy and adoration, and we live with grace and love for each other. In so doing, people will get a picture or see the trailer of the kingdom of God, and they'll be attracted to it. Like moths to a flame, they will come because it is attractive. It is like salt. It is like light. Amen? The second purpose of the local church, of our church, is to be the very means of kingdom advancement. The very means of kingdom advancement. So here's what I mean by that. The kingdom of God is his rule and reign over his chosen people and land. So in one sense, God rules over everything, so his kingdom is everything. But in another sense, his kingdom is advancing by by his images or his images taking over territory. It is advancing by having more and more people who follow his rule and reign. And the picture the Bible uses for this are image bearers. In the ancient Near East, kings and rulers would show their area of rule, the area that they ruled by making images of themselves, statues, monuments, even their faces printed on coins. So for example, if it was King James was ruler over a, an area of land, what King James would do then is he would say, he'd make a Bible. Just kidding, that was play on King James. I couldn't help myself. Another terrible joke. I made that one up on the spot. But... Sorry. (laughs) Thank you, Ben. What King James would do is he would put up statues. He'd put up at the borders of his land. He'd say, he'd put these images, statues. He'd he'd make monuments. He'd he'd put his face on coins and say, everybody that sees these images, sees this land, knows that they're under the rule. They're under the authority of King James. That's how they would show where a certain rule and reign existed for a certain ruler or a king. I want you to hear this. When God made man, he made him in what? His own image. He gave them a stewardship role over the kingdom, didn't he? They were to rule in his stead and have dominion over all life on earth. God even gave man a creation mandate to be fruitful and multiply. In other words, to make more images of God. When Jesus tells his followers to go and make disciples... He's basically saying, go and make more image bearers. Make more images of God. Advance God's kingdom by making disciples, by making more image bearers, so that the rule and reign of God 
advances. Does that make sense? You guys are following me so far. So as followers of Jesus, as the local church, our mission is to make disciples, which in turn is how you advance the kingdom. You see, the kingdom of God advances when we make more images. That's what a disciple is, right? A disciple is, is, is an, a little Jesus. It's supposed to be like him. That's what Christians actually were first called. Little, little Christ. Who do you think you were? It was a mocking term, but that's what they were trying to be. They were trying to live like Jesus. And they were first called that in Antioch. And it was a mocking term that turned into like, no, that's exactly it. God's rule, his kingdom advances when images of Jesus are made, when images of God are made to show where his rule and reign exists. Waypoint Church, we're called to make disciples. We're called to make images of Jesus, people who, fall, who know and love Jesus, who live and love like him, whose mission it is to do the will of God. That's our heart. And that's how we advance the kingdom when we make it disciples but the kingdom of God also advances when we are part of his recreating work. If you look at the miracles of Jesus, he's intentional on in the miracles he performs. He performs miracles of recreation or restoration. Tim Keller says this, we modern people think of miracles as a suspension of the natural order, but Jesus meant them to be the restoration of the natural order. The Bible tells us that God did not originally make the world to have disease, hunger, and death in it. Jesus has come to redeem where it is wrong and heal the world where it is broken. His miracles are not just proofs that he has the power, but also wonderful foretaste of what he is going to do with that power. Jesus' miracles are not just a challenge to our minds, but a promise to our hearts that the world we all want is coming. Jesus restores what was wrong. And when we work to restore what is wrong in our world, we work towards the goal of recreation the way Jesus did. This also advances the kingdom. It shows the world that there is coming, coming to the world we truly want, and we get to be a part of that happening. When I went to Malaysia this past summer, a couple, a couple months ago, I had the honor of meeting a woman named Auntie Justine. Do you guys say Auntie, Auntie, Auntie? Auntie, Auntie. Auntie Justine. Do you say Aunt or Aunt? Auntie. Okay, either way. So I had the privilege of meeting a lady named Auntie Justine. Around 25 years ago, she noticed many girls living abandoned in the streets of Kuala Lumpur. They were left to fend for themselves and not cared for by anyone. Auntie Justine said that she couldn't just sit by and watch this happen. She was in her 20s and single, and she didn't know what to do but she just knew she had to do something. She started a home of peace. There are some pictures that you guys saw. Um, we took a lot of videos, so I don't have as many pictures, so I only had a few pictures. I had a lot more videos, but I didn't have time. To, I didn't want to play the whole video, so you only saw a couple pictures. Since that time, she started, almost 100 children have lived in her home. Almost 100 children who were abandoned and cast aside were shown that they were loved and welcomed. Auntie Justine is working towards restoring what is wrong. There should be no abandoned children. She's working on recreation the way that Jesus did. She gave and is giving her life and advancing the kingdom through it. 
I love that. Her mission, her heart, her passion. In her late 20s, single woman said, there's something wrong. And guys, isn't it easy to see what is wrong in this world? And most of us see what's wrong, and sometimes we get into this temptation to, to say, oh, this, this world, there's so much wrong in it. Let me just take my people, the people I love, my little group of people, and bring them in really close. This world is messed up. Bring them in close. Be like, no, no, stay away, world. Right? We have that temptation. Some of us also have this temptation of the world is really messed up, and we have this idea, well, let's just get a few on the lifeboat and say bye-bye, world. Right? That's not what the Bible calls us to do. As the people of God, in Evangelism, the Bible says, get into that world and recreate, because I'm making all things new. The Bible calls us to transform and be the part of the work of transformation in this world. Do what Auntie Justine said. I don't know what to do, but I'm going to do something. And she brought redemption and restoration to those girls. How beautiful is that? That's our calling we are instruments of recreation in this world. We are to work towards helping fix what is wrong. We are to redeem and to restore. Not get on a lifeboat and say, who cares in this world as we float away. Not create a bubble or, or, a, or a safe house or, or a, a little you know, doomsday bunker where we just say, forget whatever happens to the rest of the world, but as long as I'm protected. Not get on a pleasure cruise and say, I'm good, let's just enjoy the ride. No. We're supposed to be a rescue ship. We're supposed to be a fishing vessel. We're supposed to go out and do the work our Savior did. Do the same work Jesus did, towards working towards restoration and recreation. That's what he was about. His miracles showed over and over again. His heart, his lessons over and over again was saying, I am making something new. You will one day see it in fulfillment. Till that day comes, I'm sending my people. They will advance the kingdom, and they'll give you a taste of what's coming. That's you. That's me. The work of Jesus is ours. We're to give our lives to the cause of evangelism the kingdom by works of restoration. So we try to end poverty. We try to end slavery. We try to make sure there's no more orphans. We try to stop racism. We fight for justice. And we try to be great stewards of this good earth. We fight for transformation to advance his kingdom. That is also our calling. Waypoint Church... I know I've said a lot today, and it feels heavy. I know I said to you, I want you to, to love God, love each other, make disciples, recreate. You're like, Lawrence, you're kind of asking for a lot here. I kind of just like coming to church on Sunday morning and sitting there. This is, my, this is what I like to do. And I get it. It seems huge. But it isn't just us doing it. I know this task seems big. I know I'm saying here, hey, live like the kingdom. Be the coming attraction. Love each other. Forgive each other. Bear one another's burdens. Encourage each other. Spur each other on. That seems like a lot. But then you, on top of that, you want me to make disciples? What? And on top of that, you want me to work towards restoration and recreation? That's too much. And I get it. It seems like a lot. But it's not just you doing it. Let me tell you right now that you are partnering with all the saints in the world. That you're not alone, that all the saints have given the same exact mission. And not only that, not only are you partnering with all the saints, you're giving the most important thing of all. You have the power of the Holy Spirit in you. The power of the Spirit exists for this purpose, to advance the kingdom and to show who Jesus is. 
You have the power of the Spirit. You're not doing this alone. The idea is we can't do this by ourselves. We can't do this job. It's way too big for Waypoint, but it's not too big for Jesus. And he's calling us to this mission. And one day, one day, all will be made new and all will be made right. One day, we will see the tears wiped away. One day, we'll see an end to poverty and to all this brokenness. One day, that will happen. Till that day, we thank God that he's given us purpose and meaning that's bigger than just living our lives the way we live it. He's given us a calling that's so much greater than just to eat, drink, and be merry. He's called us to his purposes, to be part of something so much bigger than the American dream, so much bigger than just being successful and wealthy. He's called us to restoration, to kingdom advancement. My people, he's called us to be the church. So why do we exist? Why do we gather together on Sunday mornings? Why do we live out life the rest of the week as a body, as a church? We do it because we want to be the coming attraction, the preview of the coming kingdom. And we want to be the very means of kingdom advancement. That's why we exist. And may that happen here. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've called us to incredible purpose. God, that you've given us a mission that's just bigger than just normal life of watching TV and just working for nothing, being in the, in, in the hamster wheel that we often find ourselves in. You've called us to, wow, we get to show people what it's like to know you and to love you. We get to show people what the kingdom of God looks like. God, you've called us to the work of Jesus, the same mission that Jesus had of recreation and restoration. We get to be a part of that. Thank you, God for giving us such significance and purpose. God, we love you and we praise you. God, not because we were good enough that you did this, not because we were talented that you called us, because out of your great love for us, you called us, you chose us to this mission. So we may, may we take this mission seriously. May we be the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.